Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to our show. Good people. Welcome. By the way, I don't want to discriminate bad people. Welcome to our show as well. Anyone who want to learn more about how to start your freelance business, agency business, how you can get customers and extend your business to take new trades. Welcome, because I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Jeff Sawyer. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. We chatted a little bit about Friday feeling. I love this day. And uh, yeah, that's good to record a podcast on this day. Uh, Jeff, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and uh, what kind of benefits can you share with our audience about uh, freelance business? Sure. So I, I started out as, a, as an employee, but I quickly went and started my own business when I was in my early 20s. Um, the business was web design at first. Turns out that I was not a very good web designer, and my clients were wondering why the website didn't get traffic to it. So I went into traffic, and I started saying, okay, well, I'll learn how to do SEO. I'll learn how to do paid ads. Um, did pretty well there. Um, got exposed to the world of analytics and measurement, and then took my freelance business, merged it with, a, with an agency that was growing, and we turned into a rocket ship. We went from less than a million dollars in revenue to to $7 million in revenue in about four or five years, made the ink list five times and really became a, a super strong agency guy. And then I actually was unsatisfied with doing that. So I went and started a product business teaching people digital marketing and that's called datadrivenyou.com. So during my journey, I've sort of been everything from the freelancer to an agency owner back to a freelancer and now more of an educator than anything. Nice, nice. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Great. Great story. Uh, let's talk about uh, your story. I'm interested. Uh, for example, you know, uh, I found that people, uh, most people hate their jobs. According yeah. to some studies, uh, 70% of people are unhappy with their jobs. Uh, a lot, you know. Uh, and uh, uh, I think that I had the same experience. Um, I had a few projects. Uh, for the sake of uh, earning money, you know, yep. I didn't know about uh, these businesses, but I felt it's trend. I can jump, I can earn money, I can overcome all competitors. But I failed. Uh, I wasted resources for three years, a lot, you know, a lot of resources, time. Then I quit and <laughs> found much better way where uh, uh, I'm happy. So for me, it's more important to enjoy the process to life, yep. the system that you do, not about money. Because if you are good with that, money will come. Uh, yeah. Then, Jeff, can you tell about someone who made this wrong choice? Uh, because uh, I spoke with a few people who told me they're unhappy, but they need to pay bills. Yeah. They need to feed their kids, family, uh, and bills. They can't deny bills. They need to pay it. So can you tell how... Uh, to get this confidence, how to make this first step that you can do yourself because most projects fail. 95% yeah. of people can't get results. So any thoughts about patience yeah. and uh, yeah, confidence? Yeah, so I was really fortunate growing up. I was about 12 years old and my dad um, 
was let go from his job and he decided instead of going and finding another job, he'd start his own business, basically sunk his entire life savings into starting a business. And I got to watch that happen, you know, from 12 until about 16 years old um, to go from like, basically couldn't get new clothes for school the next year, had to like really live light to seeing it succeed and seeing it thrive. And it was probably a, you know, there's this idea of the thousand day principle that the tropical MBA coined. And it's like basically at about a thousand days, my dad finally figured it out and made more money than his corporate job, was happier, had a little, like, you know, a better lifestyle, all kinds of positive benefits that came out of it. And so I got to see that it takes a while to make these things work. It's not an overnight thing. But then also, the only way you can extend your time in the game is by having some kind of financial runway to support that. And so a lot of times people say, I can't, I can't quit my job to freelance because there's too much risk or because I have to support people. The thing is that the risk is ultimately a risk of your current lifestyle, not the lifestyle you want to be. And so what I always tell people is if you, if you want to quit, but you can't afford it, quote unquote, then I would say before you quit, you should spend six months saving up so you can afford it, right? You should be buying your runway. <laughs> Because that's really the only thing that most people, most people, like there's a difference between failing and being a failure. Failing happens all the time and every day. Being a failure is when you give up or when you went into something where you just didn't, you, you didn't really give it a chance to go, right? Now you can be a failure because you didn't have any money. That, that happens all the time. But you can also create that opportunity for yourself by saving. So if somebody's really feeling the risk there, I'd say, look at your finances, look at what you're doing and save money to have the runway to go for Cause this does take at least six to 12 months before you can really start to say this is working. And then it takes probably, I, I said a thousand days, we're talking about almost three years before you replace the income you made at your old job. So it's not a short term fix, but the long-term benefits are tremendous. I'm here to tell you that. Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest issue when people build high expectations, you know, when I start something new, I always think, wow, I can earn a lot of money, I can feel it, I can get high results, competitors suck, so I, I know how to do it, but then pitfalls are coming, you know, the reality is coming, many errors, mistakes are coming, failing is part of the process, you know, you can uh, avoid failing, but you can learn from failures. So uh, I made a lot of mistakes in my life. Um, it's really hard to count them, but uh, I keep doing them. But yeah, it's part of the process because everyone starts from uh, generic strategies, you know, just uh, that everyone does. Then you can yeah. adapt, change and go ahead. Let's talk about patience. You know, uh, you remind me, uh, Gary Vee. He told about his success journey. Uh, uh, he uh, uh, created this business for his family, for father. Uh, but he had only time uh, at night. So he uh, promoted his Twitter account uh, from 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. every single day, including weekend. Uh, he skipped all parties. He skipped all... Uh, uh, lifestyle like uh, to spend time with friends uh, because of this patience seven years uh, and i like this phrase when he told you can do uh, everything wrong for five years but it doesn't mean that you can't succeed so you can go yeah. ahead can you tell about patience how to be patient because most people are impatient uh, according to a few studies people uh, don't uh, 
record the second episode of podcast. Don't write the second article. Don't film the second video because they can't get results from the first one. I have no idea how to do it. Yeah. Probably, you know. <laughs> I think I think impatience comes from a lack of goals and a lack of understanding as to what you want to do. Maybe even a lack of vision as to what the point of this whole thing is. So a lot of people get excited about an idea and then that idea was not really the same as a business. So an idea is not a business, right? An idea is sort of like a a thing. Like and you said, there's a lot of advice out there. We all start sort of being generic and sort of doing whatever, imitating what we see out there, but we don't always see the steps that somebody makes to get to that point. So Gary V, actually, I, I watched him on videos and I, I knew who he was 20 years ago or 15 years ago and when he was underground and when he was barely there and, and, and you could see the energy there, but he wasn't, you know, he was test testing things out. That's for sure. So I think a lot of people like, but he had a conviction to own the New York jets. Like his idea was that he wanted to own a football team. And so if your ambition is to own a football team, what do you do? You unpack like, okay, well, how, how does, how does other people own football teams? They own a business. Every one of them is a wealthy business owner of some sort, or they inherited it which we can't really control inheritances. Um, but they, you know, they, they did that. Okay. Well, how do you become a wealthy business person? Well, you need to have a business. You need to have an idea. Generally you need to have, you know, you either have to have um, build it up from the ground up or you need to have some investors or you need to do things, right? What type of businesses are valuable media companies, which he has software companies, brick and mortar retail companies. Like there's a lot of different things that are out there. And so if you start with your goal in mind, then you start working backwards of people who, who have achieved that and sort of following their journey. Now, when you decide, hey, I want to start a podcast, you're doing it because you have conviction that a podcast is the vehicle to help you reach your goals. Now, most people, what they do is they say, I want to do a podcast because it sounds cool. Or I like podcasts. They do an episode and they realize that they actually aren't, that, that it's not their dream or their goal. And I'm fine with people quitting that. I'm fine with people quitting that they tried it once, it scratched the itch, it wasn't their dream. But if you want to end up living the dream, you do need to decide what the dream is and then make strides to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you remind me, interesting book, uh, uh, when the author shared a story, when other book author uh, wrote an email about uh, that uh, he couldn't get results for a long time. He wrote many books, but nobody cares. Nobody uh, buys these books. And uh, yeah, he was looking for advice and she replied to him, leave it. It's not yours. You know, if you if you are suffering a lot by doing something, it's not uh, your direction. Find something else, you know. But if you love writing, if you can't live without that, don't care about that. Just go ahead. Results will come in the end. Yeah. So, yeah, love it. And uh, let's talk about uh, goals, ideas. Uh, for example, some ideas are, uh, uh, I don't know, for example, Elon Musk. Yeah, uh, He has a goal to bring people to Mars. Mark Zuckerberg had goal to unite all people in the world. Uh, can you tell about setting crazy ideas like this genius, like uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, many others, or uh, about real ideas that you can feel that you have resources, skills to implement. So uh, how to find the balance between them? Yeah, that's a good one. So I'm, I'm probably more on the bootstrapper side than the funded side, right? So I, I definitely try to work with an ideas as to how does it pay for itself and how do I 
reinvest the profits in a business to growing something as opposed to how do I take other people's money and, and take it to the moon, right? So moonshot ideas versus more bootstrap type ideas. And so I, I think that part of it is that if you're, if you're thinking in moonshot ideas, you need to have that level of conviction and you want to probably get other people's money to work on your idea. And that's, you, you want to go startup mode. If you want to be a bootstrapper and you want to, you want to be able to live to see and fund your ideas and sort of be profitable every step of the way, then providing services is the best way to go. Cause you're getting immediate validation in the marketplace. You're immediately helpful. And so being a freelancer or a small agency is exactly where I think you can be with, with, with getting your freedom. Like you're basically, you know, my progression is job freelancing to get paid more than your job. You should get paid at least twice as much as your job. If you do it right to the point where you have, now you have some extra money and some extra resources around that you can then either decide to hire people to replace yourself and to sort of build an agency, or you can take that money and invest it in a different type of company. So the reason why I left my agency actually was because I, I, I didn't want to just provide more services at a higher level. I wanted to create a product. And so I reinvested all the profits I had from being a profitable service business and then went in, built the runway to build a product business. And then that allowed me to go to the next thing, right? So um, the timeline is the one, the, the big difference, right? The timeline is much slower when you're only reinvesting money you've made versus somebody else's money, right? So um, if I were to say, and I, I wouldn't call it a mistake, but if I were to really put lightning or gasoline onto this thing, I would have chosen to use somebody else's money to fulfill that vision with a higher chance of failure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Uh, let's talk about, you know, uh, for example, I read uh, a book about uh, how Nike was created uh, and uh, what I found, um, you know, uh, when uh, entrepreneurs can create such companies, big companies, they have a lot of headache. And people can uh, envy them, but you can't envy people who, you know, uh, jealous uh, to Elon Musk, who spent all time by working. He didn't have any vacation. Uh, and um, I'm interested about, you know, uh, how uh, to choose if you don't know uh, you want to be an entrepreneur or just work. Uh, that's okay, you know, if you work for someone, uh, but if you are happy, no, why not? You can be happy by working in company. You can be happy. But uh, uh, I read a few books that many entrepreneurs have mental issue, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of them. So yeah. uh, like 50% of them, a lot. Yeah. So uh, because you, uh, you know, in business, uh, nothing uh, is good. You know, sometimes you have failures, you have uh, no money, you have some problems you can find them uh, yeah many things to do so can you tell how to know which way is better for a specific person <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i think obviously everybody's different on a case-by-case -case basis but i i do think that entrepreneurship is sort of a mental health issue both you have a mental health issue that made you want to be an entrepreneur when the odds are against you and that you thought that you could be different than, than everybody else. So there already is some mental issues that would make you choose that versus stability, but that's just how I was wired. Like I, I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur from my early ages from when I was about 10 years old. I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Um, yeah. Some people aren't born that way. Right. I think most people have the, 
most people want to try it once they, they dream about what would it be like if they had a business, if they were in control, if they had the rules, but I think there's natural leaders and natural followers. So it's not for everyone. I think a lot of people, um, they basically start freelancing or they, they, they quit their job and they try to start a business, but they, they're actually just trying to start, they're, they're trying to get paid more in their job. So they basically treat it like a job. They don't, they don't understand that to be an entrepreneur, you're not just the employee. The employee is maybe 10 to 20% of your time as an entrepreneur. The rest of the time is business development, AKA sales. It is process. It is people. It's hiring. It's, it's, it's schmoozing clients. It's delivering the work. There's so much more to it. And they're like, Oh wow, this is more than I thought. So entrepreneurship takes a skill set that can handle and think about all these different things. And you know, most people that have all those skills, it is a mentally taxing thing to, to try to be good at any of those things. Right. So I think it's natural that you will, you sort of have to be a little bit wired differently and even to start this thing. And then when you do start the thing, there are problems, there are challenges, and you have to keep on teaching yourself that you are right. And that, that can definitely cause problems with relationships. Now, a lot of people envy these people who are entrepreneurs end up having terrible relationships like they're they're in and out of relationships they're not i don't think they're necessarily good people so i don't envy them because that's not what i want to be yeah nice nice uh once i spoke with neil patel and uh, he told me a story uh probably he shared the story in other places as well but the story was uh he was unhappy in college so uh that was the wrong choice to go to college because he couldn't develop critical thinking you know uh in college you can get basic uh knowledge skills then in life uh you need to adapt to change a lot and uh, for example i don't remember anything from my college uh, i spent so much time there but i you know, i don't know if i work five years for someone else i can get much better skills uh, and i see when great entrepreneurs uh, can tell that uh, college is obsolete. Uh, what do you think uh, for uh, youngsters who don't know where to go? Is it a good idea to go college if they want to be an entrepreneur in one day? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I went to a school that was very entrepreneurial. I went, it was a, it was a mm-hmm. business college, basically. And a lot of my friends had a major called entrepreneurship. <laughs> And none of them are entrepreneurs. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I I never took a business class in my life, but I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I just did it, right? So I think that you are who you are, whether, you know, if you're going to do it, college may or may not help you. College does provide a lot of things outside of the education piece. It does provide connections. It provides indoctrination. It allows you to mature on your own in a, in a friendly environment, you know, um, some people are late bloomers. So I, I'm a late bloomer and like I, I started to bloom in college. So if I would have been in the workplace, I probably would have missed those years. So I think college was right for me. Some people already know they're already fully formed when they go into it. College might not give them the same benefit. Neil Patel, I remember back in the days, I remember he, he was an affiliate marketer when he was in his teens. He wasn't, you know, before college, he was making money online. He was doing, he was really successful. I remember seeing his name everywhere in the, in the mid two thousands when I was getting into this business as well. So it's like that guy was going to be him no matter what he was already there, whether there was college or not. So yeah, it's probably not right for him. Um, 
a lot of people who don't don't have that they're not fully formed human beings you're buying yourself four or more years to to figure out who you are and that's important for them mm -hmm. yeah yeah nice nice okay uh let's talk about digital marketing you know i opened your linkedin profile because i love opening linkedin profiles and i see that uh in your bio digital marketing speaker professor and google analytics consultant uh Let's talk about uh, choosing the right direction in digital marketing because uh, it's huge. Yeah, SEO, paid marketing, social media. Uh, I know some specialists who pay attention to uh, a teeny direction, for example, to optimize LinkedIn profiles. People can earn six figures by optimizing LinkedIn profiles. And some of their clients are Tony Robbins. You know, Tony Robbins can write, create, on LinkedIn profile, but they prefer to cooperate with people who can do it much better, you know, to pay good money. So can you tell how to choose the right direction? Because uh, we have many different directions and I found some people jack of all trades, you know, they uh, try to provide high quality services everywhere, but uh, many agencies just do one thing or one uh, niche, for example, link building for health niche or uh, PR campaigns or technical optimization uh, or just paid marketing. Can you tell how to yeah. find the right direction? Yeah, I mean, I, I often think that it's it's a it's a it's a size thing of your business. So when I was at my agency, we grew to 50 employees, and I oversaw paid search, organic search, analytics, social. I oversaw it all, and we were good at all those things. And I was good at all those things. And you know, it it, it was nice because we had the resources to deal with it. When I went out on my own again, after I left, I positioned myself as the analytics guy. So even mm -hmm. though I was capable of doing all these different things, I was, I made a website called Jeff Analytics, and I was like, I'm Jeff, the analytics guy. And I didn't t mention how I did these other things. I became the analytics person and, and it gave me a lot of opportunities because uh, like you said, even though I was good at those things, I couldn't brand myself in five different buckets at the same time. And so that's, that's why I ended up doing that. Um, and I think that's important for anybody is to, you want to choose a niche based on how the size of the resources you have. And then mm -hmm. you can always add to it later on. Generally speaking, the more narrow you are with your focus, the easier it is to find clients because you're a one of one instead of a one of everybody. Um, so you might narrow it down. You might go into that area. You might brand yourself that way. Then eventually the way that you can grow your freelance business to an agency is to start upselling and cross-selling different services. So if you have, if you get somebody foot in the door to fix their analytics, then you tell them, Hey, your analytics are broken, but also we can fix a lot of stuff with your SEO. Then suddenly that client is twice as valuable and, and you're growing into a full on agency by doing that. And that's how our agency went as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Love it. Love it. Uh, okay. Let's talk about um, data. You, uh know a lot about data <laughs> you consult <laughs> about data and uh, uh i spoke with you a few people uh, uh who uh, pay attention only to get the right data and uh, many of them told me uh, it's not good idea to get more data than customers need so like over data and i remember another story from jeff bezos when uh, he got data about a new product and the research team asked him to give more time to uh, to analyze more and denied 
He told no way, guys. Nobody knows. Uh, we need to test, to experiment. And this product called Alexa. Almost all homes in the US have this product, you know. So uh, it's like he got intuition. It's enough. Can you tell how to find the balance between enough or uh, over data? Because, you know, uh, the biggest problem that I see companies uh, use not enough data, just analyzing competitors and do the same. Uh, or over data, get a lot of insights, but don't know what to do and how to implement it and enough data. Any insights about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, it's funny because this is, this is near and dear to me. I created this thing called the small data model, which is mm -hmm. the essential thing is only collect as much data as you need. And it's based on the size of company you have. And so small data is sort of this movement that I, I'm all about. And that is don't collect any more data than you need. Well, how do you decide how much data you need? You need to have a strategy in place. You need to actually say what you're trying to achieve. Like, what is the goal of the company? So you only need so much. Now, now, data hoarding is a problem. Just like hoarding in general is a problem. If you ever seen like the TV shows where somebody has a house where they have like 700,000 cans of deodorant that they'll never use because they were on sale. Like that's a disease. That's a sickness, right? You collect the stuff just in case you need it. If you don't use it, then you don't need it, right? So you're better off saying the reason why I have de deodorant or whatever you, you know, soap or whatever the thing you hoard, the reason why I have that is because I need that every single day for the, for my life, right? I need it for this much time. So I only need to buy enough for my lifetime at the most, or only need to buy enough for now. And that's sort of how you can approach data instead of hoarding it and getting all the stuff just in case say, okay, well, I only really need this much and focusing on that because then you don't have this other thing that you're always trying to go around. People who hoard, generally speaking, do not end up having a high quality of life because they're, they're constantly reminded of their obsession and their disease that they have. And I yeah. think it's the same way with data. So if you collect all this data, you know, I know people who try to track everything, perfectly matching up their Google Analytics to their CRM system, to their ad paid ads, trying to get everything linked up. Nobody ever looks at it because that's not really how the world operates. We need just enough data to make a decision as opposed to all the data. Nice. Yeah. Valuable, valuable. Uh, let's talk about the future a little bit because, you know, we have AI today that was simple to ignore, hard today, impossible tomorrow. And yeah, it's not only trending, it's present, uh, it's daily tool. Uh, but I see when people... Uh, scare about this tool they think that this tool will replace them you know and um, some can tell that uh, uh, it's not good idea to start a digital marketing agency because of ai that will replace anyone what do you think about ai what kind of future will be with ai and how to use ai in the right way i love ai i use it every day i use it in a different way than everybody suggests though i I use AI to summarize vast amounts of data that I collect on a daily basis. So for example, some people might say, I want AI to write me an SEO article. That's, that's like beginner level stuff. That's basically yeah. that. I don't like that because you're not really adding value. You're taking somebody else's work, you're shifting it around and then you're, and then you're writing an article. That's basically the same crap that people did with article spinners and all that stuff. And, the, and you know, that got banned. So that's low level use of AI. What I do is what I, here's an example of how I'd use AI. I would take this, this transcript of what we're talking about now. I get it transcribed in real time using something like Otter. Um, I would take 
otter and a prompt. And I'd say, summarize what we talked about during this podcast into a 1000 word article using the headlines and the different questions we have in place as the headings. And they, and, and then I would put all the text in there. I'd put all the words from our thing or half of the, half of the thing. If, if, if chat GPT can't handle that many words and, and we would get a summary that looked better than anybody else's based on my words and your words, we would get that article and it would be done. And so that could be done in $20 a month for a tool versus hiring a writer to do it for hundred dollars or whatever the amount of money is. And so to me, that's where AI is really beneficial, beneficial. Say another thing is like, take a data set of your, you know, search position changes in SEMrush or in a tool, right? Take that and then feed it into the system and say, okay, write a narrative about what we've learned from this data set that tells us what we should do next. So they're able to go through hundreds and thousands of rows and come up with a recommendation based on their ability to crunch data as opposed to, but the data is yours or the data is data that you pulled in there. So curation is a very important piece of this. The more you feed it, the better you feed it, the better you're going to get results. Using it to say, go search the internet and write an article that adds no value about this topic, you're not going to, you're not very valuable in that case. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, you unhide a few of my secrets, but I got a few ones as well, you know, because <laughs> I love <laughs> I love using this tool like editing. You know, I can write some copy, then uh, ask ChatGPT, please edit, and yep. I get great, uh, unique stuff. But if you ask to write from scratch, it doesn't matter what kind of command can you give, you get uh, the best rewriting text ever with great yep. grammar but it's rewriting <laughs> nobody cares yep. about rewriting exactly. uh, yeah you can't get results with that so yeah i don't recommend you know even in our course uh, we usually teach about uh, how to create high quality text without thinking about google forget about google uh, think about human being uh, you can optimize for google you need to do it but you know people sometimes don't understand uh, the main goal of seo it's not only ranking on google seo teaches how to create high quality content yeah. uh, how to increase site speed how to get authoritative backlinks for example uh, our uh, previous press release got links from new york times wow that's good link you know so uh, it's hard to get these links uh, if you don't provide value so much value as maximum as possible but yeah, it's possible. So you need to change thoughts. Uh, you know, once I watched interview with Mr. Beast and he told how he learned YouTube. He didn't learn algorithms. He he doesn't know how this algorithms works. You know, you 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 can't uh, even people on Google don't know how AI can rank websites because so many things are there. Yeah. Uh, but if you think about human being. If you create content for a human being and people love it, then Google, YouTube, LinkedIn will fit them more with your content because it's good content. Uh, Jeff, I have the question about things that I always do, keep doing them, about mistakes. You know, I made a lot of mistakes in my life, but uh, I love learning from them uh, to adapt. We uh, spoke a little bit. Can you tell or list mistakes that uh webmasters still do uh website owners or uh digital marketing owners and how to find a much better way yeah that's a good one so 
I think a lot of mistakes, I mean, just there's so many mistakes that people make out there and it, and it, you know, one of them, one of the most tactical ones is not tracking, like putting a lot, all your effort into a marketing campaign, but not having any plan for what you're going to measure and knowing if it's successful or not. So like sending a bunch of traffic to your website, but not using tracking URLs. Um, a lot of people uh, still yeah. don't even know that tracking is possible on a website. Now I know that this is basic to a lot of people. It's been around for 20 years, but I see that mistake every single day. Um, really not knowing what the overall strategy is or what you're trying to achieve here. Um, choosing what you do based on the platform instead of being based on the user. Um, you know, there, there's platform specific stuff. You just mentioned Mr. Beast and yeah, he's, he maybe didn't study algorithms. He didn't really study how these things work, but he, he studied people. He understands yeah. what his audience is and he understands what people, what is interesting to people. And he takes that feedback and he knows what's cool and he knows what he can do. So he sees the squid game show and he thinks of it as an opportunity to create his own squid game. Most people wouldn't do that. He doesn't, he looks at these things as like, what would people watch? Oh, this is the most popular show on TV. I can parody that. Or, Hey, people like money. They want me to give away money. I, they'll watch that. <laughs> like he's brilliant. Right. I, I, I really like him um, because he, is a generous guy who just basically understands people. Now that's why he's as big as he is because he understands people and he gives them what they're looking for. Now, what are marketers doing differently? Um, the best, most successful people are, are sort of appealing to their people, right? TikTok and stuff like that. That's just another medium where you can get in front of, but, but it's being genuine. It's understanding how people work. Those are the ones that we follow these days. Those are the people that are the most successful. They understand people and what people want. <laughs> um, so there's a part of instinct with your marketing, but why wouldn't you measure it at the same time? Right? So, so it's good if you do something, but it's even better if you're able to measure it and recreate it. Cause a lot of what, I mean, all that analytics is doing is to trying to take that one hit wonder into a greatest hits album. <laughs> That's what we're doing with data, right? Is, is we're trying to take a one hit wonder. You're really good at one song to make it to the point where you have just an album full of bangers. And that's something that a lot of people can't do because they're so focused on that one thing. They don't really think about how this all plays together. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I found uh, in my experience, you know, uh, when customers understand SEO, we can get much better results because we cooperate like a cohesive team. You know, we have uh, goals. Uh, because, you know, uh, ACOs, digital marketers are not magicians. You know, we, we have no secrets. Uh, uh, you know, I think we can do something better than competitors can do by uh, analyzing uh, customers, uh, competitors. And um, if I see when people don't understand SEO and want to order SEO, I tell them, start from SEO course. Watch YouTube videos. Uh, learn on YouTube, on Google, you know, just get basic questions. You don't need to be an expert, but you need to understand why we do it. It's the same like if someone want to lose weight, you can find the best coach, the best uh, specialist. But if you don't know why you need to eat healthy food, to drink a lot of water, uh, to uh, train hard, it's, it's really hard to get results because yeah. uh, people can't do instead of you uh, uh, these things. Can you tell, uh, uh, Jeff, let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. What will you do today to learn more about uh, creating digital marketing agency? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, um, 
I, I learned SEO. I, it was back in the day. My a guy that I was doing a website for printed out like a 200 page ebook and put it into a three ring binder and handed it to me and said, Hey, this is how you learn mm -hmm. SEO. So I just read every page on it. And as I was reading, I implemented it, right? I read stuff and I implemented yeah. it. Um, it was cheap to free information. I didn't pay a single dime for that. <laughs> um, maybe he bought the book, but I didn't pay for it. And I was able to get pretty far and then doing was way better than just, just learning. Right. I mean, that's, that's sort of how you, you can learn by trial and error or you can learn by free resources. That's definitely the place to start. Um, generally, you know, you get what you pay for though. So I would recommend, yeah, YouTubing, um, learning these things as much as you can, but then usually the best stuff is under the community or under the, the paid courses, that type of stuff. That's where the best information comes because it's helping you implement it and it's using that expert expertise, right? So learning just from reading can only get you so far. It's not the practical knowledge. You, you can also learn by doing or through coaching. And so that's, that's really where I've, I do things like I have my courses out there. They're valuable. I have a lot of free stuff on YouTube. We have a lot of free, you know, our blog does really well, but ultimately the ones who retain the most are the ones who find some kind of community or tribe that they go with and, and use that as a way to, to implement things, or they hire a coach who's been to where they want to go, who can cut the line and get them there faster. So I think that you can, you know, you could just watch YouTube videos forever, but you'll probably stagnate at a certain point. You need to put it into action and you need to get out there more if you want to, if you want to truly excel. Yeah. The best, the best advice ever. You know, it's like, uh, for example, if you read the hundred books, how to play soccer, I don't know how you can beat Cristiano Ronaldo or Leo Messi <laughs> who can prefer to hit the ball 10,000 times, you know, even mediocre yeah. players, you know, medium level players, you can't beat people who implement, who do instead of learning. Uh, you know, once I got the question, if I uh, listen to all your podcast episodes, can I become a great marketer? I replied, no, you can't. You can't. It's not like to learn everything. I can't learn a tiny percent of new skills that are coming. I choose yeah. priorities. But I prefer to implement, to test, to experiment. And some people can take this course because of a checklist from Lily Ray. I don't want to say how much I paid uh, here for this uh, checklist uh, about EEAT. But, you know, uh, uh, I uh, charge for this course like $10, not a lot, uh, not big money, but well-structured with uh, Jeff Coyle, Lily Ray, many other great experts. And uh, I give often for free just to learn, to learn this course uh, because you can understand the basic. Then you can choose the right experts uh, and uh, try to implement. Don't learn everything. Choose uh, loving topics uh, where you want to become expert and go ahead with that. Yeah, just learn from experts, but it's more important to practice than uh, overlearning. Yeah. Jeff, and my final question about the future. So can you forecast the future? What kind of future will be in digital marketing? Because we have AI today. Probably AI will change. Not probably. AI will change. But we can adapt. So uh, any insights? What kind of future and how to adapt today? Yeah, I mean, the future is funny because like, what's the timeline on it? So I think I think tactics change every two years. Strategies last for hundreds of years. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I, I'm a big fan of there's There's two strategy frameworks that I always cite and think about. The AIDA, which is a top of funnel to the bottom of funnel, awareness or, or attention, interest, desire, action. That's 100 plus years old. 
The other one is the awareness cycles from unaware to problem aware, solution aware, product aware, and fully aware. Those two things are sort of like always going to be there no matter what the platform is. It's to take the tactics that are popular and that get you attention today and put them into one of those frameworks um, will decide where you're going to go moving forward. And so, um, for example, the best attention method right now is probably a TikTok, right? It's you can you create a video and you can get millions of views or it's Google search or whatever. I mean, it depends on how much competition there is out there. But the future to me is is that basically whatever we learn today um We'll have to change two two years from now based on the technology. It's getting more towards privacy. It's getting more towards gated walled gardens. Um, it's more difficult to get reach, and so you're it basically you have to almost be like a nomad with your tactics to go from one place to the other until you find one that will accept you, until you can find water. And so, um, you know, like two years ago, Twitter worked. Actually, four years ago, Twitter worked. Twitter doesn't work at all for traffic. Like I don't get any traffic from Twitter. LinkedIn has replaced that. Um, email marketing has always worked for me. Now it's getting more challenging. It's getting replaced by other things, right? So you sort of, the, the ideas are there. It's really just what's working today. And that's where you want to stay up to date. So you can learn marketing principles and they're going to be timeless. It's just, it's adjusting to what is actually getting attention now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. By the way, you know, you mentioned about Twitter because, uh, I I read news that Elon Musk is going to uh, give engagement to accounts with blue badge. So if you don't pay for this blue <laughs> mark, you can't get any engagement. And he uh, explained because of fighting with bots. He doesn't know how to fight with bots because bots don't pay for a blue badge. <laughs> but yeah. No. So yeah, we'll see how it works. I don't know. Yeah, but I agree. You need to adapt. Uh, if uh, Facebook worked for some time, today it's not. Go to LinkedIn, go to TikTok, uh, find places that uh, work today. And uh, email marketing work all the time, so you can implement email marketing. Yeah, Jeff, it's a big pleasure to get in my show, to learn from you, tell our audience the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Yeah, so go ahead and... Go to my website, datadrivenu.com, the, the letter U, D-A-T-A-D-R-I-V-N-U.com, and you can find all about us. We do a, a weekly newsletter on Fridays that, that has a lot of resources that we can share with you, and then you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Always happy to connect there and see if we can open any doors with you and that, so that's that's okay. where you can find me. Okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Love all your valuable insights. Guys, you need to follow Jeff because you can see a lot of value. Okay, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.